Today on Breaking Bullying, we're going to answer the question, why are we doing this in the first place? So today is Tim's turn to talk. We're going to hit that music and we're going to get started. Well, here we are at the start of an episode without any guest and joining me in the guest seat simply because we can't let that chair go unfilled is my co-host himself, Tim. We're pulling it out of you today. Yes, it's finally my turn to talk. And I've told the story many, many times. Just not here. Just not on here yet. Early on in this podcast series, I talked about my bullying experience or part of it. But I'm not the only one who had one. You yourself were highly affected by being bullied in your youth. Take us back to your childhood, Tim. Take us back to your trauma. This is where we need the music playing going down memory lane. Bruce, growing up, when I was, as far as back as I can remember, I can remember back to like preschool, just because I remember I was the goofy kid, fun kid, always made friends very easily. It was till second grade, I realized I was different. And how that happened was one day, a box of clothing showed up at my parents' doorstep. Now, my parents were poor, by the way. They lived off food stamps. Well, I should say lived off food stamps. They got they got food stamps. Yeah, they got, we, we got, we qualified for food stamps and I think some other government assistance. Look, man, I remember getting that welfare cheese and that welfare butter. It's not a proud thing and it's not a pleasant thing, but sometimes you know, but you know what? The welfare canned pork was pretty damn good. Do you remember, you remember that white can no, the USDA I, I, approved? No, we just got the butter and the cheese and food stamps. We also got the powdered milk that tasted disgusting and cereal. That's horrible. Oh, don't you know why they thought that was a good idea? But I guess when you don't have food, you know, that's just what you take. Anyways, you know, we got this box of clothing and I was so excited to have like new clothes because a lot of my clothes were kind of didn't fit. I was a kid that probably wore jeans that, uh, whatever they call it, high rise. You know, when they just, when, when you're too long and the jeans don't fit you, that was me. So the next day I was excited to have brand new clothes. And I wore this Chicago Bears sweatshirt. And I'm a Vikings fan. I'll never, ever do that ever again for two reasons. One, I don't like the Bears. And two is because when I wore that Chicago Bears sweatshirt, man, did I get picked on. Not because it's the Chicago Bears, which they fully deserved. I got picked on because the kid whose family gave me that, that sweater, that kid told everybody that he goes, hey, that's my sweater that my parents gave to him because they're poor. He said this at lunch, and I remember the kids all looking down the table at me. I'm like, what? And then I remember, oh, you're poor. And my confidence just, you went from a happy kid to a loser within like two seconds or faster. I mean, your confidence just sank. And that was the start and it also probably changed the social dynamics because at that point, the kids around you weren't aware that you were the poor kid. No, and we, my family between preschool and sixth grade, they moved around a ton. So we were never at the same school for a long time. So just to give some context to the story, this was in Silver Lake, Minnesota, where this first incident took place. During that in Silver Lake, I think I was only there for like a grader, a grade and a half, third grade to maybe start a fourth grade or half a fourth grade. 
no, wait, that timeline's not right because fourth grade, I lived in Brownton. See, this is, this is the problem. We moved around so much. I don't even know where I lived at certain times in my life. But I do remember it was Silver, <laughs> it was Silver Lake. It was Silver Lake, Minnesota. So that was just the start of my confidence. Uh, when kids found out, they isolated themselves from me. And sitting at the lunchroom by yourself is pretty common for me. That's just kind of what would happen. So you went from being one of the guys to being the weird kid in the corner Correct. in an afternoon. And I don't remember so much name calling back then. It's more of the isolation part of it, just being by yourself now. Nobody talking to you. Kids at that age didn't call me names yet. They're just like, you know, you're the poor kid. We're just going to leave you alone. So we moved from Silver Lake to Brownton, Minnesota, which this school doesn't exist anymore. I think it's a, such a small town that schools combined. I'm not sure what school it is. And this is where I met my first, like, real bully. His name was Nathan Stan something. I don't care if I say his name because he was, like, my first real bully. He was the, um, the bully from the Karate Kid, you know. Not, he didn't know karate at all, but he was just always cool, tough. And his mission was to make my life miserable in school. So when I went to Brownton, I remember before kids realized I was a loser, I remember one kid saying, I don't know why he was jealous, but he was like, well, I hope this kid's fat. And that was Nathan saying that to another kid. And another kid told me that. He was, Nathan was bummed out because he thought you should have been fat. For what reason that came up, I don't have a clue. But this is fourth grade we're talking about. <laughs> don't know why. So you come into the school, and Nathan's first thought is like, damn it, I was hoping he was going to be fat. Yeah, which doesn't make any damn sense. I suggest this. He didn't choose to pick on you when you arrived. He knew a new kid was coming in and he knew that he was going to pick on the new kid before you. The picking on you had nothing to do with you. He was going to pick on you unless you walked in and punched him in the face. Yeah, maybe. I, I still can't wrap my head around it why he was hoping I was fat. That was just such a weird comment I heard from another kid. Well, I mean, it's, it's another thing to pick on. And having been the fat kid and picked on as the fat kid, you know, you get a lot of, generally speaking, the fat kid is also not the kid who's in the best shape and is a much more viable target versus, you know, like a thin, fast moving yeah. kid. But anyways, I remember, I remember my first day of school there, I wore black sweatpants with a hole in it and a ugly striped shirt. That's what I had. My confidence level and my look did not match. And this is why I try to tell students and parents at my karate school is to make sure your uniform is clean, looking nice and make sure you have it. Because when you are missing your uniform, you do have a dirty uniform. It does affect your confidence level. So your appearance is very important for your child's confidence level. My appearance was horrible. I looked like the poor kid. I had bad jeans or bad sweatpants, bad T-shirts. And I had no confidence because I was, got picked on from my previous school. So I just became an easy target. And Nathan took advantage of that, called me names. I don't think he ever got physical with me, though. Wait, no, wait, he's my first fight. Yes, that's right, after school. So I remember we got into a fight. I don't remember what it was about. Well, how long was he picking on you before it got physical? It's, it was all in fourth grade. So he was picking on you for a full year before yeah, it got Yeah, it was physical. like towards the end. I remember him coming up to me around after lunch saying, hey, we're going to fight after school. For any particular reason? He was just with his friends. He was, all of his friends came around, and we're going to fight after school. And I don't know why we're going to fight, maybe because I was a loser. Kind of like three o'clock high, just suddenly yeah. you're going to fight. So that scared the crap out of me that whole day. And back then, I lived across town, so we had to walk 
everywhere. There was busing, but only for kids who lived in the country. Yeah. And Brompton's not that big of a town to begin with. So just to frame the important stuff here, you've been being picked on by Nathan. Um, it hasn't just been Nathan. It's been Nathan and his cronies. No, his, no, his cronies just kind of supported it. Nathan was the instigator. Right. Right. But he was always there with somebody. There was always a buddy or two around him so that the power dynamic was poor kid you by yourself, popular kid with his buddies, even though he was the guy on point doing all of the stuff to you. His buddies were there laughing and backing him up and definitely implying by their physical presence that if you did something, it was going to be three on one, four on one, not one on one. Correct. And fast forward to that fight, we ended up, you know, I ended up walking to school and of course all of his friends followed me. And we eventually got to this corner of one of the kids' parents' house. Right in the corner, these houses have pretty large yards. They pretty much surrounded me and said, okay, we're going to fight now. And I remember throwing a punch at him. But I believe I threw the first punch. Might as well. I had to defend myself. I missed. And then he punched me a bunch of times in the face. I got a bloody lip. I ran home. I remember I ran past a cop that time. And the cop goes, what's, and he, saw me, he could see me visibly, visibly upset. And he goes, what's the matter? I go, well, Nathan was beating me up. And this small town, there was two Nathans around my age. So the cop went to the wrong Nathan's house, by the way, because the cop was going to look into it. So <laughs> this poor other Nathan kid, who was a little bit older, got in trouble for it. Then I think the cop finally found out their correct Nathan. But I remember coming home, my mom had asked me what happened. And I had a downplay. Oh, I was just running back from school. I didn't want to tell her that I, was, I got into a fight. I was all because I was a loser. I was a kid that was poor, and I was the easy target. So that was my experience in Brownton. After Brownton, we moved to St. Peter, Minnesota. Before we move off of Nathan, you know, you just got your ass kicked by Nathan. What happened after the fight? Did it just go back to the normal picking on? Did it escalate? Was there more violence? When I, when I went back to school that day, I was the joke of the class still. I mean, that, that part never changed. I always was, you know. But now, like, ah, you got beat up by Nathan. Ha ha, you. It didn't go any more beyond. There's, there's no more fights after that. And how much longer were you there? I started fifth grade. And one day, to my surprise, my parents came to school, picked me up and saying, hey, we're moving. I didn't even know we were moving. I'm like, what? My parents had to move to St. Peter. I think now thinking back to it, we got evicted and I didn't know about it. I was going to ask because you were poor and you were effectively transient. As an adult, do you have a recollection as why your life was like that? Yeah, my mom received social security assistance and I don't know what that reason was for. I know she had kidney disease, but a lot of people have kidney disease and they, I think a lot of them work because she wasn't on dialysis just yet. So I don't know why she was receiving social, social security. My dad could work. He didn't work often. The jobs he would get, he didn't stay at very long. I believe my parents didn't know how to budget money, you know, and looking at my family's side, it might have been a family trait. We didn't know how to budget money. There's other people who don't know how to budget money who don't move all over the country all the time. Yeah, well, this thing, oh, Minnesota's not all over the country. My family was poor, and my history is we lived in one place from when I was roughly one years old till I was 
six and it was a condominium that we had bought into, which was a mistake. And it was like below ground and it flooded and mold happened and I nearly died. After that, we moved to another place called Bluegrass Road and I lived there from seven to 18 when I moved us out. But we were poor. It's just we were poor in one place yeah. as opposed to going all no, over the I, place. I believe, I believe we were evicted from this place because it happened, like, like I said, I was sitting in school one afternoon. I got called to the office. My parents' van was packed. We're, they were moving. They got up and they moved that day to St. Peter, to this trailer park in St. Peter. And now you're in a trailer park. Yeah, which I was used to because we lived in a trailer park in Cocado. No confidence. There's this kid in sixth grade named Clint. Clint B. I mean, I would love to say his name because he, he was another one of those kids where he was smaller than me. I mean, he was like three times smaller than me. Now, granted, I was probably the second tallest kid in my class. I'm 6'2 right now. I was, I believe at one time I saw 6'3 when I was like my, my 20s, but I was like six foot in sixth grade. I was a tall kid. Were you skinny or? Yeah, I was like, Super thin. I okay. was, you know, I was thin, thin and tall, but no coordination, no self esteem. That was me. Clint, another guy who saw an easy target, never got into a fight with me, just constantly calling me different names. I don't remember what the names were half the time, but he just picked on me the whole time I was there. He was the popular kid, he had friends. Same dynamic. He was always, there was always, it was not just him. There was like three people with him at the same time. Constantly picked on and therefore the isolation continued. More isolation, no friends. When somebody would come and try to be my friend, he would tell that kid, oh, don't want to be friends with him. He's a loser. I remember experiencing that the first time in sixth grade. You know, that's the extent of my bullying for that area. Just, you know, you're the loser kid. We're going to leave you alone. We'll call you names. You know, get out of my way, loser. Don't sit by him. Going back to now, I do remember this one time I was getting bullied in gym class going back to Brownton, and the FIA teacher was sitting there watching it go down. He didn't do jack shit about it. We were playing, I think it was dodgeball, and a kid called me a name, the same Nathan called me a name, picking on me, got hit. The FIA teacher could see it. I remember going up to him. He goes, go sit over there. Like, I got in trouble. It was so weird. But it's the first time I realized that teachers aren't going to help me either. You know, I miss, I skipped that part out. Plus going back to Brownton. What a surprise. The school didn't take an interest. You got to remember back then though, we were always told deal with it, toughens you up. Mm -hmm. You know, I think their, their view on bowling back then was a little bit different. But now fast forward to junior high, high school. When we moved to Mankato, my my dad got like a social security settlement, but he was injured. I think it was for his back. So he actually, they actually had enough money to buy a house in Man or a trailer house in Mankato. And that's where we lived. That's where I lived until I moved out of, you know, my parents' house. So from seventh to 12th grade, we finally had some, some stability in our life. And I remember, you know, same thing. My confidence by now is shot down from, Second, all the way up now to seventh grade. No friends, no confidence. When I try to do things that other kids would do that got them like attention, like, oh, that's cool. If you would try to do that, you'd make it worse for yourself. You'd be like, oh, that kid's, why, why are you doing that? It's a loser. You know, you're a loser. Um, but from seventh to 12th grade, 
there was another bully. There's actually two. It was it was brothers. And I remember these two kids as well. Actually, I, in high school, you get multiple bullies. You don't. The nice thing about high school is that you'll see them for a quarter, and then you get a new class. You won't see them for a while. It's like the four kids I could remember that were picking on me constantly. And what's funny about this kid named Chase, he was a small kid too. He got picked on himself. So he would bully me, but he'd get bullied back to the point that he actually had to go to Mankato West. So there's Mankato East and Mankato West High School. He got picked on as well, even though he picked on me with his brother. His bullying got so bad, he had to go to West High School, which is an interesting dynamic because as we talked about, some bullies get bullied themselves. Yeah, they lash out at someone they perceive as weaker as a way of soothing. As weaker. And honestly, physically, I could probably kick that kid's butt without even knowing martial arts. That kid was so small. Literally, you just pick him up and throw him against the locker. And actually, I think that's what happened to him a few times by girls. I believe girls picked on this kid so bad that he had to go to a different school. But yet, I remember getting picked on his brother a lot. And I hated it because we had to sit by... Some teachers, when they made seating charts, they put you by your last name. And his last name and my last name were so darn close to each other that every once in a while, his locker's next to me, him or his brother will sit next to me in class, and it just made it worse. They'll call you smelly, stinky, you know, they'll call you the fag. Whatever name you could think of, that's what they would tell me all the time. Back up a little bit, I used to watch the Karate Kid movies when I was watching you know, when I was getting bullied the whole time. And I remember seeing, you know, Daniel LaRusso getting picked on his bullies. He learned karate. And when he learned karate, went to the tournament, it stopped. So I thought, well, if I join karate, I will get this to stop as well. So in ninth grade, I signed up for Taekwondo. It was called Midwest, Midwest Academy of Taekwondo. And I would thought, as soon as I joined karate, the bullying would stop. Oh my gosh, Bruce, it got worse because now you got kids going, hi-ya! They'll make all these cry sounds at you. Anytime I tried to improve myself, those four kids would try to find a way to tear me down. Luckily, Chase followed the picture around sophomore, junior year. You know, I still had to deal with his brother and the other three guys. At that point, I realized karate wasn't going to work for me either. I'm still getting bullied. So I thought about committing suicide and I tried to commit suicide. I remember getting this clothes hanger. So we had this bed frame that had these little metal poles in the middle. So I, I wrapped the one end of the clothes hanger around the bed frame a couple of times. So I had a nice little loop. So I put my head in there and I sank down into my bed. And as soon as I felt the wind, my windpipe close off, I chickened. I, I say chicken out. That's probably not the appropriate term to say for someone who backed out of suicide. But at my age at that time and what my goal was. The fear overtook you. The fear overtook me. But I realized I'm a loser too. I, I'm, I'm a loser. I can't even kill myself. And I remember saying to myself, you know, if I had a gun, I could be done with this. The reason why I wanted to kill myself back then is because the nighttime was the only time I felt peace in my life. Nobody's picking on you. And thank goodness we didn't have social media back then because then there probably, it would never stop. And I figured if I could just be in the nighttime the whole time, that would solve my problem. So I didn't view suicide as the end of all. I thought I would just be in a long, long sleep. And I was upset knowing that I couldn't kill myself. This is going to be my life forever. I'm just going to be a loser getting picked on the whole time. Thankfully, I don't remember when I had this dream. It happened after I tried to take my life. But I had this dream 
and not going to go into detail of it too much. The whole point of the dream was if I were to end my life, I wouldn't get my black belt. My parents would be upset because I had this vision. I saw my parents upset. I saw all the opportunities that I was going to have in martial arts. Owning a school is not one of them, by the way. Just becoming a black belt, I saw that. I really wanted to get my black belt. And if I would end my life, I won't get that opportunity. So I had this vision. It was enough to get me to like, you know what, let's focus on the martial arts. Because at least in the martial arts school, I had friends there. So I had at least someone, some kids who liked me, I could talk to you. You found a bit of a community through martial arts that had so far been denied through the normal school and the bullying dynamic where you'd walked in as the poor kid loser. Yeah, if you're a bully, if you bullied anybody or if um, kids talk bad up to each other, you know, Glenn Morgan would make sure that it was stopped. You know, he, I remember even, I guess one time I picked on a kid in karate. I don't even recall doing it, but he goes, Tim, now I heard you said this about this guy. If I keep hearing about this, you cannot come here anymore. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh. so apparently I must have said something rude one time to another kid, which I don't recall, but I remember he was pretty strict on that. He did not allow anything like that to happen. But you know, it does make sense if you think about it, because generally speaking, aside from bad 80s movies and good 80s movies and even in different 80s movies, generally speaking, most dojos aren't set up like Cobra Kai. No. Like most dojos, you go in to train, but having respect towards the art, having respect towards your peers is a foundational thing in almost every, yeah. certainly every American dojo. So it makes sense that where in school, the kids are not being monitored and yeah. are free to just well, eat each other. Here's, here's what was neat about martial arts that I discovered when I was in ninth, 10th grade. When I was in eighth grade, I tried out for baseball. I stunk at baseball. And actually in seventh grade, I tried out for golf. Seventh grade was golf. Eighth grade was baseball. Horrible. In baseball, if you were not a good player, you sat on the bench. And did I get any batting practice as, as eighth grade? No, because I couldn't hit the ball. So you got treated like crap in junior high sports. In martial arts, I wasn't good at karate my first year. I sucked at it like every kid. You know, you're not good at it. What's cool about martial arts, though, is you get good when you're ready to get good. Like, you know, you, you go at your own speed. What my turning point was for me, I had two big milestones for me, which helped my confidence improve. So when I got my green belt, this would be around end of ninth grade, 10th grade, I went to my first karate tournament. I was scared for one. I already went into this tournament knowing I was going to get beaten sparring, but I wanted to do sparring anyways, just because that's what I've been, that's what we did a lot at our school. We did a lot of sparring and we did a lot of forms. So I did sparring and forms at this tournament. And I remember competing the first time and I beat five kids and I lost to the guy who took first place. Obviously I lost to my six, my, my sixth person. But even though I took second place, I realized, dude, I've, I'm better than five of these other kids. I mean, Bruce, I, I, the first kid, I didn't, only, I didn't beat him by a small fraction of points. I whooped the crap out of the first kid. And I started realizing, like, holy crap, I actually know what I'm doing for once in my life. I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but beating five kids and losing to one kid, I felt pretty good about that. What's cool about that first tournament, it gave me confidence. When I went back to school, I wasn't cocky about it. I didn't sit there and go, oh, I took second place, second place champion, here I am. I started to let some of these kids not bother me as much because if it ever came down to a fight, 
I knew what to do. Because in, in a tournament, they would say, well, tournament's not the same as street fighting, which is true. There are rules. But one thing in a tournament you do have is a kid in front of you wants to win just as bad as you do. Back in the day, we always had a little thing. There's a rule. You get three warnings. And sometimes you will use those three warnings to win. It's not fair, but sometimes you would play that game with the other kid. We'll use three warnings to win that match. That tournament really brought out the confidence in myself. I believe it's my 11th or 12th grade. I had to do a demonstration for FIED. It was called Life, Life Skills or Life Sports. Me and a friend did a martial arts demonstration. We did a form, we broke boards, and me and him sparred. Once kids saw me perform my martial arts moves in front of them, up close, everything stopped that day. They get picked on. One of the guys who had picked on me, he came up and congratulated me. Say, hey, man, that was awesome. And that was the end of my bowling. There are some kids would say, you know, that won't work on the street, but you think they were going to try me? They weren't going to try me. I was left alone. But the problem was, as an adult, having no confidence all through grade school, it still affects me to this day because, you know, I'm afraid to talk to strangers, which is funny because I own my own business. But some reason, when, you, when you're in your own business, it's like your own home. Like Everybody that comes to me is a guest of mine. I invited them. So I get that weird mentality. Well, no, it's not a weird mentality. It's, it's a position of power. Yeah. You're the teacher. Yeah. And it's also you have context. I can speak fine in front of large groups of people in my own school. But if I go outside of my school, oh, it's painful to listen to. You know, I can't do it. And plus, I, I feel awkward socially now. I can't, I can't go up to people and just start a conversation. Just because I remember doing that back when I was a kid, I got picked on, you know, and I still don't know how to do that yet. It's just one of those weird skills that I was never able to develop as a kid, as you should have been able to develop in school, is those social skills. I never got to learn social skills because I was isolated the whole time, called names. Not one teacher ever st stood up to me, and they knew there's no way they couldn't have known I was picked on. There's no way they couldn't have known because kids would do it in front of them. You know, but like I said, back then, it's part of growing up, you know, it's part of growing up. Yeah, they just didn't care. Yeah, it'll toughen me up. It's going to toughen you, Tim. It'll toughen you up. But that's the whole extent of my bowling story. A lot of it, just peer-to-peer -peer isolation, getting called names. I still say the worst of it was when I was in Brownton. That's when I got physical. Junior high school. Honestly, to this day, I still kind of laugh at the kid who got beat up by some girls I had to go to West High School just because he picked on me so much. In school, I didn't have no sympathy for him. Do I have sympathy for him today? Yeah, of course, I forgive all those people today. I don't hold grudges. Uh, one, I can look back at Facebook now, with social media, see what, what their lives are doing today. And Dude, I'm a much better place. And I realized they could have been struggling with some stuff as well, as I know Chase did. He had to go to a different school, which is a sad part. I mean, the bowling is like a, it's, it's like the domino effect. One kid gets bullied, he's going to take it out on another kid. That kid gets bullied, takes it out on another kid. It just keeps going, and the school won't do anything to stop it. Oh, we're just going to let it domino effect. I think part of the reason that time period sits with you so much is the same reason that there are bullies that I experienced, but the one that really sit with me more yeah. than any others is junior high. And that's because if you think about it, junior high takes place from like ages what? 10, 11 to 13, 14, give or take. I'm not sure anymore what that is. Back, back for me, junior high started at seventh grade. Right. Though my junior high started in sixth grade. But 
nine into your early teens is where a lot of your foundational formation of real personality, you developing as an individual occurs. Things that happen to you during that period of time are far more significant for your life and who you develop into than, say, you know, something happening in the workplace at age 25. If you know Nathan from Broughton, Minnesota, from class of 1998, let him know I'm talking about him on this podcast. I would love to hear his side of the story because I would love to know why he picked on me. I would love to know it. We need a bully. We need a bully on our podcast. I would love to. We really do need a bully. So if there is a, someone who is extensively bullied and thought the person deserved it, we would love to talk to you because we would love to find out why you're an asshole. I mean, why you think the way you think. In closing this out, if there was one thing you would have liked to have said to younger you, what would you have said to yourself? Just keep persevering through the rough times because it does get better at the end. That was nice and succinct. Thank you. Now, if anybody else out there themselves have been thinking about suicide or self-harm or anything like that, please stop and please call the National Suicide Hotline at 988. There is no reason for anyone to ever take their own life. Well, Tim, thank you for sharing your story of bullying. This way people can understand that the reason we do this is because both of us have experienced bullying and both of us didn't have a voice about it. And this is what the show is about, giving voice to these stories and trying to help in whatever way we can. So any final things you want to say? or I have nothing left to say. We're good to go. Since Tim has nothing left to say, I have nothing left to say. We're going to say goodbye. We'll be back next week with more talk on bullying.